Good morning. Uh, my name is Jim Ulmer, and um, I am filling the pulpit, as we call it, in church circles today. A few weeks ago, Marty came to the session and mentioned that uh, there was an open date where we needed someone to, to preach, and it was the 2nd of August, and he had not been able to find any pulpit supply for a while, and so in what might be called a what-was-I-thinking moment, I offered to help. And in what Marty would probably call what-was-I-thinking moment, he accepted. No, but I'm, I'm happy to be here, and um, Marty has had a full plate and um, for some time, and I hope that this has given him a break. I am not a preacher. Um, I have notes. I am not good with off-the-cuff, but it is an honor for me to bring you a message from God's Word today. Marty reminded me that we're in a time of transition here, almost as if to say, remember, Jim, we're trying not to lose any families. So I would ask you to bear with me. Um, a, a likely outcome, a couple likely outcomes from today's service will be, one, a reminder of how much you miss Harry's preaching, and two, how much you long for Sean's. So if you're visiting here today, or if you're still fairly new with us at Sycamore, please know that we do have paid professionals on staff. This past month, we did have uh, Missions Month, as Marty mentioned, and we were blessed to hear messages from several of our mission-minded folks who we love and support. And given that we are in the midst of some transition here, Harry has retired after 38 years of faithful, loving service, pastoring and preaching. Sean Sawyers, our new senior pastor, has arrived in Midlothian with his family, and he's being prepared and examined, and soon will be presiding here. And we are here with our second service today, our first service back in the sanctuary. Given these transitional happenings, we thought it would be appropriate to look at another big transitional time in God's history, found in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 and stand if you are able as I read verses 1 through 9. This is God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word to Joshua, we pray that, I pray that you would uh, teach us in the ways that you taught him. We thank you for your love and your care for us and for bringing us here this morning. Help us to be attentive to your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Please be seated. So I have a question to ask you and me. In times of uncertainty, what is it that we tend to hold on to? In times of uncertainty, what is it that we tend to hold on to? And a a simple, very straightforward answer might be, I hold on to that which is certain. In a seemingly uncertain world at an uncertain time, what is certain? I saw a sign in a... um, an art studio once that said this. It said, embrace uncertainty because some of the most beautiful chapters in our lives won't have a title until much later. And I thought that was interesting advice. But if we admit it, we like to embrace those things that are certain. Uncertainty brings with it anxiety and fear. Let's look together at how the Lord dealt with the pending uncertainty in in Joshua's life. Now, time is not going to prevent me to to go all the way back and recite all of history from Genesis to this point. Joshua chapter 1, of course, follows the end of the book of Deuteronomy, and it is there, the last of the five books of the law, where we read of Moses' death. And Joshua, who had been Moses' second in command, is now being called to step up and step out. Verse 2 says, the Lord told Joshua, arise, go over Jordan to the land I'm giving you. Now, this land was Canaan, the promised land, and it wasn't the first time that they were poised to go in. Some of you will recall in your scripture study that Joshua once spied on this promised land with 11 other spies. He and a second spy named Caleb brought Moses a minority report that said, yes, there are mighty warriors there. Yes, it's going to be a challenge if we're going to overcome and possess this land. But we, Joshua and Caleb, we think we can do it. There's fruit there, there's milk, honey, promise, hope. So early on, we learned that Joshua could be seen as a man of vision, a man of great vision. What else do we know about Joshua from Scripture? Well, he was a son. He was a slave in Egypt when he was younger. He was a soldier, he was a spy, and he was a servant of God. And we know this for many reasons, but one reason in particular we find in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 a verse that is probably near and dear to many of you in your hearts. With great idolatry all around him, Joshua said this to the people. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whatever the gods, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he was a servant of the Lord. Joshua is also seen by many as a savior. His name shares the same root as that of Jesus. And while it was Moses that had brought the people to the, uh, that had represented the law of God and brought the people to the border of the promised land, it was Joshua, whose name means the Lord's salvation, who would bring them in to Canaan. 
I can recall some nine or ten years ago, Harry Long preached some messages on Joshua. And he provided uh, a description, an Old Testament picture of salvation. And he described it like this. The people's slavery in Egypt represents today one's slavery to sin. God's deliverance of the people represents salvation. Their wandering in the wilderness represents our present day. The River Jordan represents death, and the Promised Land represents our life to come. So the people under Joshua now are on the verge of entering new territory. It's a time of transition, a time of some uncertainty. A new guy is in charge. Some new things are bound to happen. And what does the Lord say to Joshua? Arise, go, and three times he says, be strong and courageous. He even says, be strong and very courageous. And I'm thinking Joshua is strong and courageous. He's a soldier. He's a spy. He's this military guy. He's Moses' trusted aide. Why all these commands? Could it be that the courage that Joshua would need, the courage that was, he was being encouraged to have, is not just military courage? That, of course, would be needed. There would be battles. There would be fighting. There would be a marathon march around a wall in Jericho. All of this lay ahead for Joshua. We face our battles, too. We need courage, too. Illness, death, this virus, unrest in our communities, job difficulties, financial challenges, relationship upheavals, or other types of transitions. Not all of our transitions, thankfully, are uncertainties, uh, and uncertainties are negative or unhappy. We can transition to new jobs, new homes. We transition into retirement. We welcome new babies. We anticipate new love and relationships, new family, new friends. Rising up and going can be the hardest part. Taking that first step can take the most strength and courage. The Lord knew his people then, and he knows us today. He knows that we and they needed his encouragement. He was writing the next beautiful chapter in their lives, titled to come later. So some questions to ponder regarding this encouragement to, come, to get up and go. What might God be calling you to that is going to require some strength, some great strength and courage from you? What do you need in order to have more strength and courage? Is God maybe calling you to get up and go in some form or fashion in some area of ministry? Think not just of the idea of serving where you're called, but serving where you're gifted and with your gifts. For some here, it might be a call to faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord may be calling you to arise, go, step forward toward him in faith. And that will mean not just stepping toward him, but stepping away from sin and rebellion, maybe out of some sort of comfort zone. There will be uncertainty. There will be challenges. It will take courage, but grace, his grace abounds. If you are, if I have described you, speak to someone at our church. See us here. Uh, seek out one of your elders. We'd be happy to talk to you. The strength and courage that we need to arise and go, how do I get that? How would Joshua get that? Let's look at a couple of ways. First, by being in God's word 
and taking God at his word. If we look at verses 7 and 8 in our passage today, the Lord said to Joshua, be careful to follow my word. Said in another way, don't be careless with it. Do what it says as Moses had commanded. In other words, obey the commandments. The Lord then said, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. In other words, stay on track. And then he said, meditate on it day and night, keeping it on your lips. And Joshua, if and when you do all these things, you will have success. Now, first reading of this led me to look at this as some sort of rule following, legalism even. Do this, do that, you'll succeed. But the success being discussed here, however, was not worldly thought of success of honor and power and position and riches. No, the success the Lord was speaking of was taking Canaan, their promised land, successfully, bringing God's people to their inheritance. And the Lord's admonitions and encouragements to Joshua here would prove to him, to Joshua, that the key to success would be his faithfulness and his obedience to God's word. God had brought him here now he was commanding his, his obedience. And it is so interesting to me that this was the blueprint for Joshua's success. Not battle plans, not maps, not fighting techniques. Instead, being in his word and obeying it. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Apostle Paul wrote, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. We are the ones that need that teaching, reproof, correction, and training. God loves us. He loves to teach us. He works in spite of our rebellion and our distance from him. Now this idea of not turning to the left or to the right, it makes me think of the game of golf. And I'm sorry about that, but that's what I know. I used to teach golf to beginners, to well-seasoned players as well. Those of you who play golf or watch golf, you know the goal. The goal is to hit the fewest shots. In order to do that, your goal needs to be to hit it in the safest place, which is usually the middle of the fairway. You stray too far left, you stray too far right with your golf shots, that's not recommended. Success is found on the short grass. Not in the weeds, not in the trees, not in the water, not out of bounds. So too with God's word, there is a center path. There are hazards to the left and right of the line of his truth and his timeless word, his good news. And there are penalties, there are consequences that can be high and steep if we find ourselves too far off his path. Now it could just be that we don't know what his word says. It could be that we do, yet we love our excursions wide to the left and to the right more than we want to admit, more than we want to change, as it would take too much courage and too much strength to step off our comfortable path and onto his. A new friend shared some scripture with me this past week, and I so appreciated it. He read to me from Psalm 86, verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. Another translation says, with an undivided heart. 
and I will glorify your name forever. This psalm of David is rich in meaning, and it ties in well with the Lord's words to Joshua. Now I want to pause here a minute to interject. While the principle is true that obedience brings success, it would not be biblical to say or even hint that our obedience brings our salvation. Here at Sycamore, we believe scripture teaches that it is by grace that we have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God's grace through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. And in verse 10, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. This salvation we enjoy as Christians is from God, not from any good works we might have done. When the Apostle Paul was, was uh, planting and preaching and teaching at churches, in, in, uh, he, he taught Old Testament scripture. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he was speaking to the Corinthian church there, and he was teaching about Moses and all that Moses went through leading up to the time of Joshua, which we are reading today. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, and then in verse 11, that these things happened, these Old Testament histories, this Old Testament history, these things happened as examples for us, and they were written down for our instruction. God's word gives us good news, news of a promised land, as we see here with Joshua. And God's word gives us good news of a promised one, good news of a greater Joshua, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came according to God's purposes, his promise to save and to redeem. And it is not promised to us because of anything that we have done. As Joshua was called and sent to face and defeat the enemies of God, so was Jesus. And defeat the enemy, he did. It is of his hand, not ours. And our obedience follows as a result. And is to bring God the glory that he is due. He is gracious to include us in his story. And here, too, some other questions to consider. Is God's word central in my life? Or has it become a second thought? Spending concentrated time in God's word this past week or so has been hard, but so good for me. I confess I find myself having to recalculate, like my GPS lady says to me, when I've made a wrong turn or make a U-turn in my walk with him and in his word. I can be easily distracted. I'm prone to take shortcuts, yet the Lord desires for me to meet with him there in his word where he speaks to us. Have you gotten off track with relation to his word? The implication in these verses is that we will find difficulty when we stray too far to the left or to the right of his truth. There are consequences to our disobedience. Yet again, his grace abounds. His word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He is there to help us find our way. And there's another way the Lord tells Joshua that he can have strength and courage in uncertain times in this passage. In verses 5 and again in verse 9, we read that the Lord promises to be with Joshua and to never leave him or forsake him. In verse 5, the Lord says, Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Surely, certainly, Joshua heard about Mount Sinai. He heard about the Ten Commandments. He heard about the burning bush. 
he knew that Moses knew God's presence. It's recorded in the first five books of scripture, which is all that Joshua had at the time. Being commissioned now as Moses' successor, instrumental in possessing Canaan, God was simply acting on his promises, fulfilling things that he had determined before Joshua was even born. It was and it is God's nature to keep his promises, and here he's promising to strengthen Joshua and be with him wherever he would go. And this promise of his presence is one of the greatest blessings that God's people can ever know. It's recorded in Genesis 28 as well, these promises of God with much the same language and wording. And check out what Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says to us today through Christ. It says this, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now before we forget the part about courage and obedience, we need to know that while the Lord was telling Joshua these things, we should see it as a promise to be with him, not as a promise to keep his life totally free from harm or danger or difficulty or sadness or suffering. We will walk at times through shadows, through valleys. We will face death. But it is certain that our Lord, our great shepherd, will go through it with us. He will not leave us alone. Now, will we always feel his presence? That's not promised here either. But thankfully, our feelings don't determine the truthfulness of his word to us. When we are in Christ, we can know he is with us, whether or not we can feel his presence. The great theologian, preacher, writer, and student of God's word, Charles Spurgeon, said this about this passage in Joshua. Joshua not only had difficulties to deal with, but he earned himself many enemies through his obedience. This is naturally so. The Christian man is sure to make enemies. It will be one of his objects to make none. But on the other hand, if you do the right and believe the true, and to carry out the honest should make him to lose every earthly friend, he will count it but a small loss, as his great friend in heaven will be yet more friendly and will reveal himself more graciously than ever. Joshua knew the presence of the Lord, and so can we. It is a promise from God. And so we ask, are you assured of God's presence today? And if so, what difference does that make? As we sit here together, seeing the beauty of his creation around us, among us here, can you doubt his presence? Are you in some type of distress or difficulty or trouble? You're feeling forgotten. You're feeling alone. Remember, if God has called you to himself, saved you, and you have trusted in him, you are not alone. Students, those of you in middle school, high school, college, the pressure is great to fit in, to be accepted. Yet, sometimes to do that would cause you to consider betraying your beliefs, 
Are you standing alone in matters of truth and principle? Obedience and commitment to Christ can be a lonely place. Do you know that you are not alone? We gather together as a church family and with our friends, our neighbors, our community. We're able to look back and remember all the ways that God has provided here for our spiritual nourishment, for our growth. A 38-year period of time under one pastor is a rarity. It is clearly a gift from God to us. We have his answers to our prayers to remind us of his presence with us. We have come through a, uh, several months of a prayerful selection process, steeped in the study and meditation in God's word. And we stand poised to serve alongside and to be served by a new pastor. We must know that God is still at work among us. So the question comes again, in the midst of uncertainty, what is it that we tend to hold on to? And shouldn't I call it our uncertainty? Because with, with God, nothing is uncertain. We hold on to that which is certain. And what is certain? The promises of God found in his word are certain. Growing in our understanding of his word eliminates uncertainty. God's ever presence with us is certain. Joshua found that to be true. And so can we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for raising up Joshua to lead your people. Help us, God, to remember your promises, to rehearse your truth, and to grasp and know and be assured of your presence with us and your desire to be with us at all times. Your love upholds us. We look to you for strength and courage it takes to live lives of obedience and lives of going out beyond our comfort zones. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.